We're live. Deeper. Cyclox, are you sticking around? Thanks for helping us set up, bro. Uh, welcome everyone to the JB cast. Is that what you're calling it now, Joe? It's what I call it loosely on, like uh, on Say Yeah, do we like that? I'm sure we'll come up with a better name, but it's a good working title for now, I guess. I like JB cast. Um, yep. Episode three, broadcasting here with Tiara Ward. Hello. Joe Worthington. Hello, hi. And Paul Fotofilly. Hi. Uh, we're here at 4 Pemberton Street, Botany, uh, the outpost, Jungle Brothers HQ. See you, secretary. Sammy's out of here. He's Bye, Sammy. Putting in some good work this morning. Cheers, bro. Uh, it's good to be back. Yeah, Paul, you've been in Fiji, huh? Yes, I have. I had a great time over in Fiji. Just got back a few days ago. Um, I was working there in the film industry for a week with my brother Moses. And then after that, I spent four days with my cousins uh, driving around Fiji on a little road trip looking for... <coughs> wedding venues for um, my wedding next year. Uh, it was great, it was awesome. I found some great places. Uh, still got to work out the particulars, but um, it's very exciting. I'm very excited about it. And Tiora, you should be excited about a trip to Fiji next year. I'm very excited. Whole family. He can't stop talking about it. <laughs> you got to laugh away from the microphone, Joe. Fuck off, bro. <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we could touch on that, that we learned some lessons about microphone etiquette from our episode with Yuri last week or a couple of weeks back. Yeah, it's yeah. Basically, we weren't talking in the microphone. We were kind of like doing this where you put your face side onto the microphone when you should be here. Yeah. So, anyway, it's a work in progress. We're getting better. Um, the also, the other thing in Fiji that I did, wedding, wedding wrecking, found a lot of good places for a retreat for years to come. Maybe next year, Fiji, JB retreat. There's lots of really cool places, um, very laid back with beautiful surrounds. Uh, you know, great food, relaxed vibes, great training area. Yeah, it sounds fucking awesome. We've got our first retreat coming up next weekend, and I think that's the start of, you know, many more to come. I think we should have the goal <coughs> of Fiji and or Cook Islands for 2017 for sure. We've been talking about it for long enough. We were talking about it back at your wedding in Rara, right, T? We, we, we were. We even did a little recce. Yeah, fucking bush bash hours to get into the... <laughs> to my wedding yeah I would love to see that happen um, I'm actually really looking forward to next week's retreat T's not going to be there but Paul and I got this one no I will be on the GST workshop with Christopher Summers gymnastic, talking about old times gymnastic bodies with coach yeah it's nice it's going to be good Summers he runs it himself I, I wasn't sure but Joe found out that he will be there yeah, that's what I was told. Which is really cool. You can pick up some coaching tips from him. He's pretty hard line, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't sound like a very fun guy to be around. No. You know? But I guess a lot of great minds aren't necessarily. <laughs> 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 hey, um, we were discussing the topic for today and I, uh, 
we came to I wanted to talk about fighting and and maybe telling a little bit about the story of um, I guess our methodology or you know what inspires our training we've got it written on our shirts it's become a bit of a tagline for our brand fight lift moved mm-hmm. um, what do you reckon do you want should we go into it in a general sense to try and provide a bit of an overview and I think it's a it's a big discussion yeah I think we should uh, we should uh, talk about why we picked the, the three uh, themes, I guess you could say, and how we build our business around or our training structures around those particular themes. And, and then once we've got an overview in our next podcast, we can look at each of the three separately and in a little more detail. I like it. So I guess we could start with why fight, lift, move. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Laugh no, it's okay laugh to laugh into laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so fight, lift, move. We're looking at uh, the what what we believe are the basic fundamental or fundamental uh, actions of uh, survival for the human. I know it start, sounds a little bit deep, but uh, we we all had to fight. We all had to lift and shift shift stuff. And we have to move from place to place. And that might take place in, in one particular event. We might, for instance, our ancestors had to hunt. So over that hunt, you would travel from one point to another to catch a prey and then you would fight your prey and then you'd have to pick that prey up and carry it somewhere. So the human body has evolved around these three actions and uh, we find that... Um, trying to replicate something similar to the environment that uh, we evolved in will help build a balanced body, fortified machine, something similar to, to our ancestors or where we came from. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, on that, I guess the reason for it, well, maybe you can help me explain it, T, is because of the blueprint that we have, that our bodies have, uh, that we've... We've come to this point through evolution, but in recent centuries, we've started to move away from those patterns and those movements, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's actually, uh, this theory has a name, it's the, the, the theory of mismatch. And that's the implementation of modern um, technology, patents, and uh, everything else has changed in our environment. The, the uh, uh, what would you say it comes down to the industrial age and modern farming techniques and the rest of it have changed our environment or our environment's evolving much faster than our bodies are capable of adapting to it. So we're actually walking around in a, in a mechanism that's designed for uh, an environment that's completely different to the one we expose it to. And what we're trying to do is re-implement a little bit of the environment that we used to have to try and uh, close the distance of, of mismatch between where we are now and the environment that we're in and the body that we hold, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. That's a really good point and I think not something that, that people would, would consider, you know, all that often is that, you know, there's a lot of talk with, uh, say, the paleo diet and all that kind of stuff about hunter-gatherers and, and 
you know, what we used to be like as a species and whatnot. And then there's this kind of counter argument that's like, yeah, but haven't we evolved beyond that? And, you know, there's a, I know for a fact a lot of people are like, you know, why do you keep looking back to those old days because we've come a long way as a species? But in reality, you know, like you just said, on that timeline, our, our, our environment was a particular way for a fucking millennia. And now, over this relatively short timeline, I think it's been 2,000 years since the Industrial Revolution began, or the Agricultural Revolution, rather. Um, Industrial Revolution, probably more, a few hundred years. I'm not good with dates. But, um, but yeah, so like we've, you know, there's been millions of years of, of us hunting and gathering, and then there's been a couple of thousand years where we've started to be able to grow crops and live in cities and whatnot. And so exactly like you said, our evolution is still back there. It hasn't had time to catch up with the rate of change in our environment. And so now we live in cities or even in suburbs with roads and flat surfaces and pollutants and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But we still have these old instincts and these old responses to things that, that I think people really overlook. You know, I, like it's, you talk about it a lot and some people you, you talk to kind of it resonates with and they're like, yeah, I fucking totally dig that. And then some people are like, yeah, no, I don't really think it's like that. Oh. You know, and, 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 then, and it's, I, I think that's, well, for a side note, it's a little bit sad that people, you know, don't have that awareness of that influence but but yeah it's it's a great sort of a great base for us to shape our method of training on yeah and i think i mean uh, what we specialize in is the movement and exercise and you know fitness industry stuff and that's just the tip of the iceberg that's you're dealing with biomechanics and changing the environment up so you can apply yourself physically but this implementation of um, modern technology and and devices and stuff that we never had exposure to, you know, even a hundred years ago, uh, goes much further than that. I mean, you look at the way people are in, interact with their mobile phone in comparison to 10 years ago, it's very different. I mean, 10 years ago, I used a mobile to text someone to meet at a place or I'd call them and it cost me a fortune for that phone call so it'd be very quick. And again, that would be to to get a destination and, and then I would physically interact. But now it's spend your time on your mobile to, to interact socially on a global scale. And no one really knows what kind of side effects these, these, this, new, this new exposure to modern technology has on the body. All I know is that the more uh, we change our environment to something that we uh, are less adapted to, the more side effects uh, mm, come mm. from it. Negative side effects. Potentially, yeah. I mean, no one really knows. I'm sure there's stuff, obviously there's stuff in there there's that's theories. good for us, you mm. know, and mm. better for us. And, you know, obviously all the, the new medicines we have allows us to live longer and all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of benefits there. If We wouldn't do it if, the, if it didn't benefit us. But at the end of the day, you still need to have that exposure to a little bit of pain. You need that exposure to, to emotional... Um, experiences mm. and stuff like that, where and and physical interaction and touch and mm, mm. And, and all the other different uh, forms of interaction that um, that can allow you to to satisfy those urges, those primal urges that your body and your brain that um, yearn for, you know, because it's kind of how we're wired. So to be able to try and 
implement a little bit of that in our, in our gym. And I think one of those things that, that kind of spans out from... We should do a primal urges class. <laughs> yeah, well, we kind of do it anyway. Like, you think about it. We have a, a community here, you know. Um, a lot of the people that train in our gym live in blocks of unit. And this is not a natural uh, envi environment for humans. It, they're segregated. They're, you're, you're put in, in, in segregated areas and you're con you congregate en masse next to people you don't know. And this is unnatural. But they come to Jungle Brothers and they're in a community and they're interacting. And this is a tribal environment. There's, there's people of all ages, there's kids here, all the way up to grandparents. Everybody's chipping in and doing their bit. Everyone's working together. Like we, this is a, a bridging of mismatch right in front of our very eyes. And we don't necessarily do it because we're, we're thinking, oh, let's try and bridge the, this gap of mismatch for the mismatch theory. It's more of a primal urge. It's like, okay, well, what did we want in a business? We wanted to have a little bit of that. Why did we want it? I don't know. Well, you'd think it's an emotional response, you know? Mm. I want to have that environment because that makes me feel good, you know? And that's, that's pretty much how we've let ourselves drive our business. It has been emotionally driven, you know, whether we re recognise that or not, you know? Yeah, it's true. It definitely, I mean, it definitely is always shaped around what what we wanted to have on a day-to-day -day basis for ourselves and how we wanted to move and train and interact and what kind of people we wanted to do that with. Um, yeah, it's cool. I think as we go on that it becomes even more and more what we want it to be as well, which is cool because at the same time that's doing the same thing for our tribe. It's giving them more of what they want, you know, <coughs> less of the stuff that doesn't interest them. I've got a question for you, Paul, just coming back from Fiji. Uh, you know, obviously a place that's in a, it's a different environment to, to Sydney, Australia. Mm. And you got your family roots there and whatnot. Mm. What was your observation regarding like um, people and technology and you know the differences in how they interact with one mm. another because they're not all stuck on iPhones and that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. I we spoke briefly about it at breakfast this morning. Um, I'm still putting it all together. You know, uh, I made a lot of observations. But I haven't made, like, I'm still collecting my thoughts on the whole thing. But, yeah, you know, people, obviously, they don't have access to as much technology as we do. But people seriously embrace phones and communication. Because I think communication, um, and I know that social interaction is part of the reasons why human beings are unique and the apex predators, like, because we're able to 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 work as groups and work socially and have deep relationships um so yeah there's people are on their phones a lot actually over there even like even more so than over here sometimes like there's internet a lot of places almost got everywhere better internet than we do <laughs> it feels like it it really does actually Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, um so you know they do embrace um social media a lot and I love it. It works really well, and there's lots of positives that come from that. I know me, I have the village where my father's from. I never used to have the amount of, like, uh, touch with the people there than I do right now. I can see them posting live from the village 
you know, things that happen, whether it's a social event, a wedding, or just, I think that's really cool. Um, but definitely, what were we talking about? Yeah, there's, there's a, generally they, see, they see, it looks like people spend a lot more time together with each other in the house, around the Tano or drinking grog. Uh, they're a lot more social, and I kind of felt like... What's grog? Grog is Yongona. It's a, it's a root. It's a herby root. Um, I haven't grown up drinking it myself, um, but I've had it plenty of times. Um, have you had some? Kava? Oh, yeah, I've had kava before. Yeah, kava. It's good. Yeah, it's like a, a numbing root, um, which you filter through a kind of a sock. Um, in water, it's in a bowl, you have a ceremony and you drink it and you kind of get stoned from it. You get a bit of a numbing sensation of the immediate area, tongue, mouth. Nice. Um, mm, so it's kind of, you get a bit stoned from it. And Helps you deal with that island stress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then sleep in all the next day. They call it brown label. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, we hit the brown label tonight. That's good. But, you know, it's not just a... It didn't start from a kind of a weekend um, social thing. It's kind of deeply rooted in tradition. Um, and uh, it's a common practice over there. Everyone does it, and it's like most households, I would say. Um, it's cool, though, going back to the interaction thing... I love seeing everyone drink grog and sit around and chat with each other and tell stories. Everyone's forced to sit in a circle and look at each other and share stories. And you kind of, Tucky, you have bowls of this common bowl, like, you know, you pass it around and everyone drinks from the same cups. And you're in a circle and you're talking to each other. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of... Is there Pe any... People are tight over there. Like, do people have their... F just running... I feel like we don't we don't actually sit down and have enough face-to-face -face time with our immediate friends and family here in, in Sydney. Hell no. Hell no. And there's usually someone sitting on the phone when you're doing it anyway. Totally. Or the TV's on. Yeah, there's something... Some there's a lot more distractions here. Just... Uh, I've been in a couple of those circles with you before <laughs> at family events over the years. Mm. Um... Uh, does anyone have their phone sitting in their lap? Did yeah. They, they do? Yeah, I mean... I think it was so long ago that I did it with you that phones weren't so prominent then. Yeah, yeah. No, they totally do. Now, well, you know, there's... People drink it commonly there. Like, as common as you would have a beer, they will have it. And it's not always, like, a, in a traditional setting for something necessarily in a hardwood hand-carved bowl with, like... People are drinking it on the table, sitting in chairs, in a wash bucket. Right. You know, and it gets pretty informal, um, which was weird for me because uh, I hadn't really seen a lot of that growing up. I always thought it was like a traditional thing, but we were drinking it the other night at my auntie's place and it was in like a, an old boy that they must have collected from the beach that had cracked open and they had... They had like sanded the edges. Was it so a BPA oh. free boy? No, probably not. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? It was like a boy, and yeah. they just like fashioned it, and we had the grog in it. <laughs> and we were drinking out of this boy with a little coconut shell thing. That's cool. But I've drunk, I've drunk it out of ice cream containers, like really super informal. And I was like, whoa, do they do this like this? It's like a goon bag. 
pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So going back to to fight, lift, move. Mm. So I guess the the next topic is to break well to break the three D three three aspects of our approach to to exercise down into into separate um, topics and then go over those topics on our on our next pod, podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, to talk a little bit more about how we came to it, it's uh, as well as having that kind of background in all that relevance to our ancestry and to the, you know, anthropology of our species, it's, um, it's also kind of, it also fits in with what we value in training, right? We're all, we all come from a background of sports of some kind, which I know for Paul and myself was soccer and skateboarding for the most part. Um, T's been, yours has been more Muay Thai for a long time, right? Yeah, I, I, uh, I, my, like going back to school, I was rugby, rugby, rugby yeah, union, of course. Rugby so then, you know, so there was that, but then obviously we all found our way into, into fighting, into some form of combat sports. Paul and myself, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and T, Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu and a bit of MMA and, I mean, we've all dabbled in everything. Actually, Paul, you probably started with the Kung Fu and the boxing side of things Kung years Fu-y. back, right? Yeah, mm. so did I, actually. It was mm. Kung Fu. That before that, it was Taekwondo. Okay. Which I was really shit at. <laughs> I got my ass kicked one day by this guy on my football team. By a piece of timber. Yeah, and he was half my size, <laughs> little. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, and I realised that uh, Taekwondo on its own wasn't, it wasn't enough. So I had to source out a better form of defence. I haven't heard that story. Yeah, yeah, I got my ass kicked. How bad? How'd it go in down? In front of my dad as well. It was really How'd embarrassing. How'd he do it? Uh, he stepped on my... He was a bully in our team. He stepped on my toe uh, with his studded football boot and I was kind of sick of getting picked on. I was like, oh, don't step on my toe. And he said, what are you going to do if you do it? And I said, oh, fuck, kick your ass if you step on my foot again. And he stepped on my foot again and then the next minute I was lying on my back and he was on top of me, <laughs> just punching me in the face and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I've, I've never been in this situation before, sparring in Taekwondo. So I, uh, I got pretty upset at the whole scenario and I thought, right, Taekwondo's not for me. I need something a little bit more, more edgy. And that's when I started sourcing out boxing and the Thai boxing a little bit later on in life. How old? I got my ass kicked, uh, probably about 10, and then stepped away from Taekwondo when I realised it didn't work for me. And then I started uh, working my way back into martial arts, into Kung Fu, probably at about 16, 15, 16. What style of Kung Fu? It was called Luhi Bafa, water boxing. It was great. Water boxing? Water boxing, yeah. So it just taught... Mm. Actually, my first day was with a... Uh, a guy called uh, Viliami, and he's uh, one of my best mates, and uh, was uh, at the time. Doesn't sound Chinese. Uh, he's a Tongan, <laughs> amazing athlete. When I first met him, he let himself go a little bit now. And uh, shout outs. Hey Willie. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, hey Willie. Yeah, I remember walking into this gym, and there was this little guy <coughs> with a beard, and he was, smelled a little bit like alcohol, and he was walking around chatting to everyone. And I was like, oh, when's if I'm going to get out of here? And the boxing coach come in and start teaching us how to box. And then, like, three minutes later, he was like, right, everyone. Let's <laughs> 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 start stretching and warming up. And I was like, oh, what? This guy's a boxing coach. And then, anyway, he took me on the pads and slapped me around for about three or four rounds. And that was <laughs> when I realised, okay, you can never judge a book by its cover. And, uh, and uh, that, was, that, that was me. After that, I fell in love with 
with the style and I continued to train with those guys for a good five, five years probably, back to back. And, um, and then from there, that's when I started moving into the Thai boxing after that. But I, I don't think I would call myself a fighter as such, but I was definitely a, a big fan and, a, and, a, and an advocate. I loved it. It was great self-discipline for me. Kept me out of trouble. And any time I would start drifting to the dark side, I had somewhere to go that was a third space that um, allowed me to make proper decisions on my own to get into... Uh, if I ever got into alter altercations, I had a lot of self-confidence and actually mm, taught mm. me um, how to keep my, uh, a, uh, a still mind. And, um, yeah, I think it saved me from a lot of dead-end or um, dead-end, uh, what would you say, paths in life. From becoming a dropkick? Pretty much, because I had a lot of mates that did head down that path and ended up in, in all kinds of dire straits. And Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> how you're Someone's doing down there? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's been great. I love it. Uh, um, yeah. It's a great disciplinary tool for an adolescent growing up, yeah? It's a, well, you know... Fuck. This, I mean, that, this is a huge topic in huge. that I think... You look at now how popular Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is mm -hmm. as an example, and it's probably taken, you know, Jiu-Jitsu and MMA, but I think Jiu-Jitsu is, is super popular across a wider cross-section of the population because you're not getting punched in the face, you know, it's not so full on in that, from that perspective. But I think that this thing, like what you're talking about is like the, the environment we live in as a caged up adolescent, you're fucking full of hormones and testosterone and all that stuff. And mm. you gotta go and sit down at school all day and then maybe you get to play sport for a couple of hours or go and skateboard in the afternoons or whatever. But essentially you need an outlet for this, this energy and our environment doesn't really provide that you know, unless you're like a rugby player or something like that and, you, you know, you're playing at a high level and training three or four times a week. But so I think that's what fighting gives is, is this outlet which allows you to kind of level yourself out. Mm, yeah. And it also provides, um, you know, weekly challenges for you, uh, which, you know, we would have probably got in our environment day to day um, or our ancestors would with uh, just mental hardships, you know. Fuck to yeah. do with yeah survival in general, uh, and you get that on a daily basis when you're in the gym training, fighting. I know what I drew from starting jiu-jitsu and what like I came up in team sports. Besides the skateboarding, you know, it was rugby and soccer. Um, but I found that the the jiu-jitsu really helped me develop myself as a on a personal level as a person, uh, confidence levels. Uh, because of the fact that, you know, in a team sport, you're in victory, you can really be hidden in that victory. There's, you know, so many people on the team and in defeat, you can hide as well. But when it's a one-on-one -on -one sport like fighting, you know, it's all on you. You're the only person you can rely on, um, which makes you want to train for it. Um, the threat is in front of you and it's affecting you solely all the time, right? Yeah, it's a good point. It, it only comes down to you mm, mm. and your mind and your, your physicality and whatnot. I mean, that's the, yeah, I think like it's the same in the success of, of our gym and the people that come and train here that, you know, say for people who come from a commercial gym environment and whatnot where 
you come into a place where you're faced with challenges, be it a movement that you're shit at or uh, an opponent in jiu-jitsu that's better than you or uh, something that's physically painful through that training. Um, you know, maybe it's a, it's a metcon or it's a, or it's a, a role in jiu-jitsu or some sparring in Muay Thai that's pushing you beyond where you're physically comfortable. I think that people kind of crave that because we innately know that that's where the development comes from. You know, like anyone who gets through that kind of process in any form of gym or training always comes out of it with a smile on their face like, fuck, that was awesome. Mm, mm. You know, and I think that we, we know that we need more of that, but people, it's a subconscious sort of feeling, you know. Like, we know it, we talk about it, it's something that we, we teach, but, uh, you know, for the untrained individual, when they're in that environment, they, they, they love that feeling, but then when they're not in that environment, it's easy to kind of stay away from it because that is the challenge, right? It's hard to go and... It's hard to go and throw yourself into a fight class, or into rolling with an opponent that, you know, that's that you know is going to beat you up, or to go into a gym full of people that you think are fitter than you. You know, I think that's that's kind of hard to get past mentally. Yeah, totally agree. I think, uh, I mean, I can the countless amounts of times that I've packed my bag for training and just thought, oh. I don't want to do this because <laughs> yeah. you know that it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. That same guy that's always like beating you up or it's got, you know, it's usually the people that you're, you're head to head with. There's always one or two in your gym who are on a similar level as you. I've found that that's always been the hardest sparring for me, the guys that are on a, on a similar level because they're going to push you to your limit. The guys that are much better than you, they just kind of they play with you and you can... The temp, you, you'll dictate the tempo yourself because they're always going to have one up on you. So it's not much of a challenge for, for either of you. But when you've got someone who's like your doppelganger, that's fucking tough, you know. That's, that, that's the tough training. And if you've got a gym full of guys like that and you're all developing together, then it's, it's hard, you know. Stressful environment. Yeah, like you just... And then afterwards it feels great and you love it and it's best thing ever and you don't even know why you're questioning going it, getting in there. But I think... The biggest battle for anyone and I think especially if you're set entry and you're just even just going to a fitness first for the first six to eight weeks this is a big challenge you know to overcoming that, those mental barriers yeah it's true I mean I you know yeah I guess in the uh in the commercial gym you can just put your headphones on and and get stuck into a machine and stay oblivious to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come totally. into a gym like <coughs> ours or to a CrossFit gym or, or something like that and you, you have to train well, alongside these people and interact with them. Well, yeah, and also at a fighting gym um, because, I will, for me, like, it's a lot more stimulating uh, because I like the, the mix between the physical and the, the skill level, the skill and technique sort of learning. For me, like... I never really study, uh, I, did, I didn't train traditionally in a gym setting, but I've always played sport. And for me, like the game or the, the fight is where it's exciting for me. So it makes it easy to train. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing about fighting, I think it's just amazing because I, I, I love learning something new about it or challenging myself. Like, you know, when you're on pads and you're just trying to refine it and lo and behold, you're getting exercise or you're training at the same time, you don't even really realise it. 
Yeah, it's like it's like doing drills with a soccer ball or something, isn't it? Running around the park. Yeah, that's right. You're not thinking about the fitness. It's fun. That's it's right. What's happening? You're just in trying the to figure it out, and there's so much to take in. It's that. It's the skill mixed with the physical. I mean, what is it about that? What? Well, I mean, it's, it's like <laughs> when <laughs> what to it's like when I try and go when I try and go running. And, uh, you know, I probably do it about once a year. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to go for a run. It's usually when I'm on holidays or something like that. Or, I don't know, for some strange fucking reason, I feel inspired to get out there and run. And then the whole fucking time I'm running, all I'm thinking is, this fucking run is so hard. And I hate it. And then at the end of it, I feel kind of glad that I did it. Exactly what you need to start doing more of then, But I could go and, I can go and wrestle for two hours straight you know, and, and be pushed physically further, but because I'm enjoying the strategy and the games and the mm, positions mm. and the transitions That's exactly behind what the I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like you're not even thinking about it, so it's infinitely more enjoyable. Um, but obviously I understand some people like that and you're simplicity as well of running and those kinds of activities. You're developing that part of your brain as well because you're training your brain right, to think under stress. Joe Rogan talks about it a lot, yeah? does. Jiu-jitsu. Shout out Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. When are you coming on the show, bro? Jiu-jitsu. What is it they call it? Or oh, MMA, they call it uh, high-level problem solving. Oh, yeah. Is the way that he describes it all the time. Uh, the high-level problem solving with something like physical dire consequences. <laughs> right. <laughs> or something like that. Where you're going to get it's a good way of killed putting if you... It. It's yeah. problem solving, you know, so it's as much... Which is, you know, going back, that's the Training environment we're built to yeah. work in, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it better, right. It, it's a life and death situation, mm. life or death situation, and you've got to come up with solutions now. Life then death situation. Or die, which is the cool <laughs> thing with, with jits and whatnot. When you tap out, right, that's like... That's you dying. That's ego, a, yeah, like ego a just, just getting You just killed, killed me. Just killed my ego. Yeah. Fuck. Which is even worse than death. That's right. I'm completely free of ego these days. I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed that. I read some book about it. I'm off ego. Mm. It's not my amigo. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to, you know, going back on the fight thing, it's the fighting, lifting, moving, it kind of ties into what we were passionate about from the start, right? We liked lifting some weights. We liked moving the body, finding <laughs> different ways of moving, gymnastic work, climbing, crawling, this kind of stuff. So it felt like... Dance. That kind of some... Dance, dance. He likes dance. But so it kind of sums Doesn't mean up. he's good at it. He just likes it. He's pretty good. Yeah, I'm all right. He's good. He's all right. I'm all right. No, you're good. <laughs> but it kind of summed up what we, what we wanted our, our <laughs> practice to look like and whatnot, which, which was kind of fortunate because we've also been able to go, okay, well, this is actually a really legitimate system here that we can structure the development of our tribe around. Um, and enables us to go down three different paths, which all go in kind of different directions, but in the end will develop a very nicely well-rounded human. Mm. That's right. It's working. Definitely working. Yeah, I mean... And it's, it's, it's evolving too. That, yeah, we're, the, I think we're only, we're only just sort of scratching the surface of the fight stuff, right? Which yeah, of all of it, I think. Even the lift stuff, you know, like... It's we're, true. We're, we're in plan with a barbell. How many fucking things can you lift, you know? So many different objects out there that we don't even really kind of touch on. But I think that's for us. It's a, it's a, there's a whole heap of stuff we could start experimenting in there. That's where we're going. That's where we've always wanted to go. Yeah. Um, we're limited by this space, but we're, we're growing. 
yeah, definitely I mean, want to that... have more odd objects to be tossed around and, and played with, right? Yeah, and some different environments like, mm. you know, I mean, T's spoken about it a lot, going away from traditional strength training um, structures or formats, but being able to mix that in with maybe some fight stuff or, you know... Mm. But fuck, you just you, we need in order to be able to offer that in a way that's that's um, you know not safe, but uh, you know has a, a some level of safety. We definitely need to be able to construct a, a different environment to what you would find in, in pretty much any other place to date. You know, and I think that's that's a big part of the dream for the for the next location, right? Is have that space. Yeah, that's right. We're going there. Yeah, we are. Hopefully in the next six months. Us. How are we looking for time? Right now? Mm. You got somewhere to be? No, no, I'm just thinking that... Uh, we, we've probably done about 35 minutes. Would you say that would be a good wrap-up? Half an hour to JB? I'm easy. I, I feel we've got more to say, but we could save it for another podcast. Sure thing. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Let's All wrap right. it up. Let's call it there. Paul Fettafilli. Signing off. Thanks for listening, gang. Uh, if you like this podcast, send us in some feedback. Flick some things up on the JB Tribe about what you'd like us to talk about. Um, and share it with your friends. Let your friends know about it and, and let them know that these three dudes are talking some fun stuff. And uh, we'd like to get them involved in the action. What do we got? We've got a retreat next week. we got the... Um, Basic Gymnastic Rings Workshop coming up on the 3rd of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, open to all levels. The mobility, mobility Workshop? Mobility Workshop, yeah. Mobility Workshop also on the cool. 3rd of December. That one might have spaces left. That's with Emmett Lewis. So if you're looking to get tickets to that, that's a, that's a very full-on two-day workshop. Not for those that are, you know, looking to spice up their jogging routine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, let, get in touch with me, joey at junglebrothers.com if you want to get in on that and I can pass you the details of where you can get a ticket. Um, what else we got? JB, Christmas party, 10th of December. To all of our tribe members, do not fucking come at me with excuses the week before I didn't know about it. This is warning, you've been told. Also for the JB tribe members, there's the new uh, climbing club. What are you calling that? Rope climb club. Rope climb club, Fridays. 4 p.m. Not a class, just a club, just a group of humans that want to get jacked and strong and elevated. Yeah, JB members, right? Yeah, JB members only. Um, we're going to be also bringing into the next s phase of training um, some rope climbing techniques, specifically the J-hook. So we'll be teaching people how they can get their way up a rope using the legs with uh, efficiency and technique. So... Some uh, those that have already experienced the efficiency program earlier this year will already have a, a foundation of that. But for the newer members, um, make sure you get in on that, and then you'll be able to come in and utilize and play with that technique on uh, Fridays, the Rope Climb Club. Very cool. Uh, Tiora, final words? No, that's it. That's everything covered. All right, yeah. cool. People, thanks for having us. Thank you. You.